The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. I'm glad that death is going to be gone one day. I'm glad that pain is... And by the way, can I say this tonight? That's a reality. That's not something that we just hope for. That's just something that's happy talk tonight. Uh, That's what's going to happen. I mean, that's a reality tonight. Uh, As the prophets have foretold, we understand that these things are yet to come, but they, they are coming, and we say, even so, come quickly. In Revelation 21 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I saw John, and I, John, saw, rather, the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Think about this, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. How many glad for all the things that the Bible says are in heaven, but also for the things that God says aren't in heaven? These things aren't in heaven. I'm glad for the omission of some things as well as the addition of some things. In verse number 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. How many glad that John was obedient to write what God told him to write tonight? And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But, and here's the big but here, uh, there's a free ticket into heaven because of the Lord Jesus Christ, but notice, uh, not everybody that's talking about heaven is going there. Uh, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You say, Pastor, tonight I'm a liar. I've told a lie before. Aren't you glad that because of Christ, uh, those things which you once were, you are now not anymore? That you've been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been cleansed. What you were before, you are no longer. You're clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Those things that you have done, uh, God has washed in his blood. Notice verse number 9, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Some of you may like the country living, but God says in the future, we're living in the city. But it's not going to be like the city that we think of, full of sin and destruction. We're talking about a beautiful city of God. Having the glory of God, verse 11. Her light was like unto the stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a a wall, great and high. Had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And you know how we know that this isn't figurative talk, that this is literal talk. 
because he uses actual human measurements. He gives us the dimensions of the city. He tells us this is the measurements. Notice verse number 16, the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chaldony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh a chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth a chrysoprasus, the eleventh a jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of, was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein. Notice there's no temple because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. I want you to look at with me uh, this great city of God. Uh, I want you to see in verse, uh, chapter 21, verse, uh, verses 1 through 8, that there are citizens in this city. Uh, every city has a citizenship. Every city has residents. The Bible describes in the first eight verses the residents, the people that are taking up lodging in that city. And by the way, I hope that tonight you know that you're a citizen of heaven. The Bible says if you're a believer, you're seated together already in heavenly places. You already have your citizenship in heaven. Aren't you glad for that tonight? Uh, as we look at the, the terrible politics of today, the terrible politics of today. As we see and understand that, aren't you glad that your citizenship is not just here? Uh, that we have a temporal citizenship, but we have an eternal citizenship. And not that we're to vacate and not be responsible with the citizenship that we have here as Americans, but we're also to understand that we have a greater citizenship, a greater calling, a greater residence, that as Abraham we look to a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God, and that God is the maker of this city and their citizens. Notice These citizens, number one, they're God's people. They're God's people. The first heaven and earth were prepared for the first man and woman and their descendants, and God had readied everything for them. And God had promised His people a new heaven and a new earth. The old creation must make way for the new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, the Bible says. If any man be in Christ, hey, listen, not only... Do we get a new body? Not only do we have a new destination, listen, that place, that residence, that that home that God has gone to prepare a place for us, it's a new place, and God has prepared it for us. One of the things that's become new in our life is our home, where we're headed, our our citizenship. We're God's people, and and the truth is tonight, only uh, those that are God's people are citizens of this city. Are you a child of God tonight? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Are you in Christ? Uh, That's important that you know that. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. 
He cannot see the kingdom of God. He, he will not see this city. He will not see this place except he be born again. Jesus said, no man cometh to the Father but by me. Uh, unless you have come through uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be a citizen of heaven. The way uh, that you get your passport, the way that you get your entrance uh, into the city of God is that you are a child of God. You are a resident. Uh, you're one of God's children. I wonder tonight, are you one of God's children? Do you know Christ? Is He your heavenly Father? Uh, not only uh, those uh, are children of God, but uh, they're, they're God's people. They're saved people. But they're also satisfied people. Look at verse number 6. Verse number 6. The citizens of heaven, uh, people who live in, in modern cities, they don't think much about water. But this is a major, was a major concern in John's day. As I just came from Africa, there's one thing that we could not do. You could not drink the water. It didn't matter where you were, out of the tap. You couldn't brush your teeth. You weren't supposed to because there was dangers of disease. Uh, even in the drinking water that was in the city, in the area, we had to drink, we had to use uh, uh, bottled water or they had some osmosis uh, kind of uh, filtration systems that went in there, but you had to be careful. Uh, water, you know, what? You, you understand, you understand that when you don't have water, how important water is. When you don't have it, you, you understand how necessary to life uh, that it is. But notice uh, in John's day, it being a major concern, but John uh, himself understood, hey, listen, There was a wonderful promise for the Lord. Notice verse 6. Free and abundant living water for everybody. Notice what he says in verse number 6. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Aren't you glad that you can drink from the waters of life? That God has that living water. That's the same water that Jesus spoke of to the woman at the well. He said, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for water. You'd ask me for that living water, and you'd never thirst again if you drank of that water. I wonder tonight, are you thirsty because you've never drink, drank from the living water? Are you thirsty tonight? You know, if you're thirsty because you've been drinking from the tap of this world, you've been drinking from the dredges of sin, you've been drinking from the fountain of death, Hey, listen, why don't you come and drink freely from the waters of life that God offers to all? He says, hey, listen, whosoever will, let him come. Let him come and drink. It's free for all to come and drink. And aren't you glad that Jesus made a way for us to have that? I don't know if that makes you excited tonight. And I may be the only one that gets a little excited tonight. But I'm excited that heaven's my home. I'm excited tonight that I'm a recipient of this living water that comes from the throne of God. I've got life tonight because I have Christ. I've got life tonight because I've drank of this this living water. If you've ever seen someone that's uh, full of disease, they don't look like they're full of life. I wonder tonight, are you full of the dredges and diseases of sin? Are you full of the living water that Christ has given you? The citizens of heaven are satisfied. They're saved people. They're satisfied people. They're overcoming people. They're overcoming people. Look at verses 7 and 8. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You know, as John pointed out in, in his... In, in 1 John, that all true believers are overcomers. He said in 1 John chapter 5. So this promise is not just for the spiritually elite, if you would, because the Bible says the children of God will inherit all things, that all children of God are overcomers. You might think, well, I'm not much of an overcomer. It's not about you. It's about the fact that you are tied into the greatest overcomer, Jesus Christ. He overcame death, hell, and the grave for us, and we're only overcomers because of him. We're not overcomers because of our ability tonight. We're overcomers 
uh, because of he, after the great Chicago fire in 1871, uh, evangelist Dwight L. Moody went back to survey the ruins of his house and a friend came by and he met Moody and he said to him, he said, Moody, I heard that you lost everything. And Moody said, well, you understood wrong. I have a good deal more than I lost. What do you mean? The friend asked. I didn't know that you were that rich, that you had uh, uh, items and, and, and possessions in other places other than your home. And then Moody opened his Bible and turned to Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 7. And he read this. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. You know tonight that we, are in, we, we have an inheritance in God uh, that's, that's where the hope is tonight. Hey, listen, uh, I don't enjoy doing funeral services or memorial services of those that I'm not sure have ever put their faith and trust in Lord Jesus Christ because, uh, to be honest, I have no hope to offer those uh, that want hope and they want comfort at that time other than the fact that they can receive Christ themselves. And the one thing that we understand about the man that lifted up his eyes in hell in Luke chapter number 16 is that he didn't want any of his family to come there, that he wanted somebody to tell them about God, that he wanted somebody to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. That, and and what, did, what did Jesus say? What did the Lord say? Well, they have the word of God. They have the prophets. They have the word of God. Let them hear them. You know, tonight, uh, if you won't hear what the word of God has to say, you wouldn't listen if somebody came back from the dead to tell you. If you won't listen to what the word of God, if you won't hear the message from the Word of God, you wouldn't listen if you got a sign or a dream or, or somebody came and told you, you wouldn't listen, you wouldn't believe it, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And God promised in His Word, if we'll believe His Word and trust in it. You know, there's overcomers, but in verse number 8, it describes the people who were overcome. Aren't you glad tonight, if you're a believer, you're an overcomer, because the only alternative is that you're overcome. Notice those that are overcome by sin. They wouldn't trust the Lord. What's their destiny according to uh, Revelation 21.8? Well, it's the lake of fire. You know, a lot of times the world considers Christians losers, but it's the unbelievers who really lose in the end, isn't it? Because the Bible says that they have their part in a place that burns with fire and brimstone. It's a second death. It's a terrible place. You say, why would a loving God, why would a loving God send anybody to that place? The truth is tonight, why would God by His grace save anybody from that place? You think about that tonight. Why would He save us at all? Why would He save us at all? Why do any of us deserve uh, to be saved by grace from that place? We don't deserve it. Tonight, uh, what I understand and one of the greatest appreciations I have about my salvation is that I am deserving of hell that I don't deserve God's grace. If I deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. Wouldn't that change the whole definition of it? If we deserved it. You know, many people, they never come to Christ because they think themselves to be deserved. They think themselves to be uh, 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 good recipients of uh, this salvation. If you think of the man who came to Christ who had a lot, and he said, what must I do to inherit this eternal life? What did Jesus tell them? Well, there's no physical thing that you can do to inherit it. You've got to put away all that stuff you're worshiping first. You've got to put all away all those things that you think make you a good person. You've got to put away all that old, crusty, dead religion, all those thoughts of you uh, being a good person who owns a lot of possessions. Once you get all that stuff out of the way and you put your faith only in the Lord Jesus Christ, well, maybe then you can inherit eternal life. You know, he went away sad because he was more trusting in what he had and who he was than in God. 
the fearful or the cowardly, the people who do not have the courage to stand up for Christ. The, the word abominable means polluted. It refers to those who indulged in sin and were polluted in mind, in spirit, and body. And the other characteristics mentioned in, in verse number 8 really need no special explanation except uh, the Bible tells us it is the characteristics of those that have their part, their citizenship in that place called hell. We see, number one, the, uh, the citizens. Number two, I want you to look at with me just briefly tonight the character of heaven. What is heaven going to be like? What's it going to look like? Uh, is it a real place? Is it a physical place? Are we actually going to dwell in that place? I'm glad that God gives us some description, aren't you? That God doesn't leave us in the dark, that uh, heaven is not some just ethereal, far-off place where uh, we hope. You know, heaven is not up to the imagination of man. It's a place that God has created. It's a place that God has made. Uh, it's a place where God dwells. It's a place where God is. That where I am, there he, where, where, where he is there, we may be also, the Bible says. There's a character to this city. Think about it. Verse uh, chapter 21 and verse number 16. The Bible says, The city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. I don't claim to be a theologian tonight, but I do understand measurements. And what I do understand about these measurements and whether uh, people have debated over whether it's 1,400 miles or it's 1,500 miles, and uh, they can have the hundred in the debate. Uh, But I will say this tonight, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. The Bible says that it's square, that it's, uh, that it's height and breadth, uh, breadth and width. And uh, I've got a little, uh, little illustration for you tonight on the globe. If uh, we were to put heaven on a globe, it would look like that. It's a big place. Uh, it's higher than uh, Earth's atmosphere. It extends, the Bible says, 1,400 miles into, away from the ground, away from its foundation. It's 1,400 miles in its width. Uh, across the globe, there's 1,400. I mean, think about it. It's, it's larger in square mile than the whole country of India uh, across a place. Hey, listen, how many know there's a lot of people dwelling in India? <laughs> hey, uh, heaven's a big place. There's a lot of room for people there. And by the way, there's going to be a lot of people in heaven. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven. I-, I wanted to do that tonight because as I looked at that illustration, I, boy, I thought, boy, what a big place. I've gone to prepare. Sometimes I think when we think of Jesus' words, I go to prepare a place for you. We think it's about some kind of little tiny place. The Bible talks about 1,500 miles in all directions as a square. He measured, notice the wall. It talks about a wall that's 216 feet high around the city. Around the city. It talks about 12 gates, four, or three gates on all four sides. And in those gates are the names of the tribes of Israel. It talks about the foundations, and in those are the, uh, the names of the 12 apostles. And uh, you ever see a foundation? The Bible talks about the foundation of heaven being exposed as if it's raised off the ground. You can see the layers of its foundation. And God puts some precious stones in these foundations. I mean, just think about his description here. uh, He goes through verses 19 down to verse number 23. The measurements are staggering. The city's construction is fascinating. The walls are jasper, which is clear crystal. The city is made of pure gold. The Bible says as clear as crystal. There couldn't be a pure gold. Uh, that heaven is made from. The light of God's glory, the Bible says, shines through the city. The way I could picture it is like uh, what we look at. You ever been in, and seen those, uh, the crystals the, in the chandeliers and you see the light coming through them and all the, 
light going around the city, all over the place, all over the walls, beautiful. Those crystals, the light of God's glory, the foundations, uh, they have their jewels and nobody can be really dogmatic about the gems, but he gives us some names and so I think it's important. He says jasper is clear, sapphire is a blue stone, uh, chalcedony is probably a greenish blue, the emerald is green, the sardonyx uh, is like our onyx, a white stone streaked with brown, uh, sardius is a red stone, it's described as blood red, chrysolite is a yellow quartz uh, beryl is green and, and topaz, kind of like the colors of a rainbow. Boy, it's just got every color and every stone in the foundations of that city. Can you see it a little bit tonight? Heaven is a real place. Our God is a God of beauty. He'll lavish His beauty in the city. But think about the gates, the, the, verse 25, the pearl gates of heaven city, the Bible says, will never be closed. They'll never be closed. Why you close a city at night? Because you're afraid that somebody's going to sneak in and do something wrong. Hey, listen, there's no fear. And by the way, there's no night. There's no reason to close the gates. Uh, They're open, Uh, all these gates of that city. And John uh, said some things were missing from the city, and I mentioned that before, but there's no temple because God's presence is everywhere in that place. Uh, It's the place where God dwells. Uh, uh, think about the sun and moon will be absent because the Lord's the light of the city. Uh, The mention of the nations here, the peoples of all nations, tribes, and languages, and tongues around the world, those that have been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ will be in that place. Boy, we're going to cry at the throne of God, holy, holy, holy is the lamb that was slain. Boy, we're going to worship God like we've never worshiped God. What a day that will be. What a time it's going to be. Revelation 22, we move inside the city. In chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, we see uh, that it's like a beautiful garden. It's reminiscent of the Garden of Eden. The Bible says in Genesis 2 that there were four rivers in Eden, but there's only one river in the heavenly city, and it flows from the throne of God. And God is the source. He's the source of that river. And from it, it feeds and, and, and supplies and never runs dry and is always a source of purity and good. There's no more curse, the Bible says. Genesis 3 is where the curse began. You know, uh, the New Testament announces here, there shall be no more curse. Satan, that old liar, will be consigned to hell, the Bible says. All of creation will be made new. The curse of sin will be gone forever. Think about that tonight as we, even tonight, feel the curse of sin. We feel it, don't we? Even though if you've been saved tonight, you still feel it because anybody gets sick recently? We're here remembering someone in our church that passed away. We see the curse of sin. Boy, even though that we're saved, it's still, we're, we're still in the corruptible, aren't we? But then we have that promise. One day this corruptible is going to put on what? You with me tonight? Incorruption. This mortal is going to put on immortality. And then that, that saying is going to be accomplished. Death is swallowed up in victory. No more death and no more pain and no more curse. Come on, no more funerals. No more crying. No more losing those that we love. Uh, No more more wars and no more killings. The lion's going to lay down with the lamb. We're going to be at rest forever and ever. I don't know about you, but I want to go to heaven soon. How about you? I'm thankful for the promise of heaven. The more I look at heaven and God's word, the less I love this place that we live in. Boy, we really love our homes sometimes, don't we? 
We really take great pride in, in our possessions that we have. You think about all this. Boy, think about one thing that you have that even compares to any of it. You don't have anything that compares to this. Thinking we're so rich in Christ. It's, so, it's, it's, it's a wonder why we're even messing around with this stuff down here. Why we even care about it so much. It's, it's an, no wonder that those that are in Christ can say like, like Job, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. What do we do in heaven for all eternity? What are we going to do with all that time? What are we going to do where there is no time? Well, we're going to praise the Lord. The Bible says in Revelation 22, 3, that we're going to serve the Lord. I wonder what my job's going to be. How about you? I think I'd like to be a doorkeeper. I think I'd like to be a gatekeeper. I don't know what my job will be, but I'll be happy to be there. How about you? The Bible says we're going to serve Him. We may not know what our job is, uh, but we be sure that we're going to serve the Lord. Our service is going to be perfect. You know what I think about tonight is, is my service here is imperfect. Boy, I fail God. How about you? I try to serve the Lord here. I try to do my best, but every day I'm reminded how I fail somebody, how I fail even the Lord. But one day we're going to serve Him perfectly. We're going to serve Him perfectly. We're going to serve Him with perfect hearts. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of the Lord doing the will of God from the heart. We'll have perfect hearts then to serve Him from. As we seek to serve the Lord here on earth, we're constantly handicapped by sin and weakness, but all hindrances will be gone when we get to glory. Perfect service in a perfect place. Boy, I'm looking forward to that day. Our faithfulness in life prepares us for that service in heaven. You know why we want to serve the Lord here? Because we're going to serve the Lord there. We're just getting ready. You know why we want to praise the Lord here? Because we're going to praise the Lord there. Uh, We want to be in this world, citizens of heaven that are in this place, yes, temporarily, but as long as we're here, that people can see what we do here and understand, hey, we're not from here. We're not from here. We're going to another place. And then lastly, the challenges of the city. We saw the citizens of the city, they're saved people, they're satisfied people, they're overcomers. The character of the city, and then lastly tonight, the challenge of the city. Can I say this tonight, as we think about Mark and and, uh, those that have passed recently in our church, heaven is more than a destination, it's a motivation. It's a motivation. When I think about heaven, it motivates me. How about you? It, It fuels me. If I truly believe that heaven is real, then I must believe that hell is real. If I, if I understand that those are real places, then here's the truth tonight. I've got to get busy. I've got to get busy telling people about that place. It's real. You say, people are going to think I'm crazy. If I tell them that I believe I'm going to heaven, I tell you the truth tonight. I don't believe there's a soul that's walking on this earth that doesn't want to go to heaven when they die. They want to go. They just don't know how to get there. Boy, they're making their own way, aren't they, in some form or other? I haven't traveled to many places in the world, but to the places that I have traveled, I've found in every place a people that in some form or other is trying to find out how to get to heaven when they die. They're trying. Oh, they're rubbing beads and they're worshiping stones and they're, uh, they're pra- praising and singing and lighting candles and, and going through all kinds of rituals, aren't they? Because they're concerned. They're concerned at the very least and they're reminded every day about their immortality or, or, or their mortality rather. 
And what, what's going to happen to them when, they're, when they die? And boy, the older that we get, the more we think about it, don't we? We think about, boy, I'm not going to live forever like I thought I was when I was young. Life is short, and where am I going? It's important that we know there's a challenge. Heaven is more than a destination, it's a motivation. Knowing that we're going to dwell in heaven ought to make a difference in the here and now. It ought to change the way I live my life. Truly tonight, if we believe that heaven is real, it's going to change the way we live tomorrow. It's going to change the way we live now. The vision of the heavenly city motivated uh, those in the Bible as they walk with God and serve them, knowing that uh, He was returning. And notice the motivations here in chapter 22, verses 6 through 11. We must keep God's Word. We must keep God's Word. Because John wrote, and what he wrote is the Word of God. His words are faithful and true, the Bible says. Faithful and true, what he wrote down. He said, right, for they're faithful and true. You know, and and as the capstone of God's revelation, John's book cannot be divorced from the rest of the Bible. If we deny that John wrote the truth, then we must also deny the prophets that wrote before him. The truth is, is God's word is faithful and true. What does it mean? Revelation 22, 7, keep the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Basically, it means to guard, to watch, to preserve intact. We must not add to the word of God, and we must not take anything from the word of God. With me tonight? We must not add to the word of God. We must not take away from the word of God. Do you believe that this is complete, entire do you believe that it's true? Listen, if we don't believe the Bible, we're in trouble tonight. You, you can't get to heaven without believing the Bible. You've got to believe God's Word. You've got to accept it by faith. And we're not to add to it. And we're not to take away from it. And this is responsibility in light of Christ's return. Notice uh, here, uh, he says the word shortly, Revelation twenty-two six. It means quickly come to pass. Look at uh, uh, verse number 6. And uh, he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets said his angels to show unto his servants the things which must shortly uh, be done. It means it's going to happen soon. It's going to happen quickly. It means there's no delay uh, for it to happen. The warnings here in, in chapter 22, verses 18, 18 and 19 don't suggest, to, uh, suggest that people who mess with the Bible will be brought back to earth to suffer in their tribulations. The truth is that nobody fully understands the Bible or can explain everything in it. And those of us who teach the Word sometimes have to change our interpretations as we grow in knowledge, don't we? You ever think something about the Bible and find out later that it's not true? You know, I hope that keeps happening to me. How about you? Because as I grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, I learn more about God. And what I thought I knew about God before, sometimes I found, according to His Word, that I wasn't so right about it. You ever declare something definitively from God's Word and find out? You know, I've thrown out a lot of messages. <laughs> I, I've changed, I've changed uh, my thought. You say, well, that's changing your... No, no, I'm not talking about changing the doctrine of what we believe. I'm talking about as I grow closer to the Lord and I know God more, there's some things that maybe I didn't understand before that I understand now about God. Aren't you glad that we can learn more about God? That we can read His Word and study His Word. And Have you yet exhausted this book? Because I haven't. We, we haven't exhausted it yet. God's Word must keep God's Word. Not only do we keep God's Word, but we need to serve the Lord. Look at verses 12 through 14. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man notice according as his work 
shall be. Does God care about how you live your life? Yeah. He's going to reward you according to how you've worked in this life. Are we saved by our works? No, but we're rewarded by our works. We're rewarded according to how we've lived our life. Those that say, I've been saved, but it doesn't matter how I live my life, don't understand God's word. Because God says he's coming with a reward, and he's going to reward every man according as his work shall be. Uh, One of the greatest realizations I have tonight is that I will never stand before God and answer to God for one sin that I've committed tonight. I'm thankful for that. But I will answer to God for every work. Every work. God's going to try them by fire. He's going to look at everything I've done, whether it be good or bad. I used to think that my life was going to go up on a screen like that. This is your life, right? And they were going to show all the bad stuff I did and all the stuff that I'm ashamed of and all the stuff that I... No, that's not going to happen to the believer because all those sins, he's remembered no more. He's not going to remind himself and he's not going to remind you because they're under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? But he is going to remind us about how we did, what we did with our life after we've been saved. How did you steward your time? How did you steward your money? How did you steward your family? What did you do with the time that God gave you while you were here? As we gather together tonight to remember the end of a man's life, may we consider our own lives in its end. May we consider how we're living our lives, and at the end of our lives, what will uh, be said of us? When Christ comes, what will we receive? He says, my reward is with me. I have a responsibility to serve at God. It implies that God is mindful of our sufferings and our service. Think about this tonight. If you're a child of God, doesn't he know how many hairs are on your head? He, he knows what you have need of, the Bible says. You know, he, he sees your suffering tonight. Don't you think that God doesn't see your suffering? God sees it. Some believers, they think, well, God's just not paying attention to me. He doesn't know that I'm going through a hard time. No, God sees them, and God will reward those that have suffered in Christ for Christ. Many of you have gone through hard times, but you've still been faithful to the Lord. You didn't quit when times got tough. Boy, we're reminded every day that things are harder and harder and harder as we live in this, this sin-sick society and world, but we can be faithful to the end, can't we? We can be faithful. We have a responsibility of serving the Lord. How about this? We must keep our lives clean. Look at verses 15 and 16. For without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. The contrast here is between those who do God's commandments and enter the city and those who reject his word and are excluded from the city. It's not likely that those who do his commandments are some special elite group. But those that do his commandments are simply those that love him. With me. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Are we special because we keep God's word? No. We're just doing it because we love him. And we love him, why? Because he first loved us. We love him tonight because he's given us good cause to love him, hasn't he? Boy, he's been so loving and merciful to me. I don't know about you, but No matter how hard or how tough life gets, I can still think, I am so glad that Jesus loves me. I'm so glad that he loves me. Not not a question, does he love me, but he does. And then lastly tonight, that we're to look for Christ's return. Look for Christ's return. Look at verse 17. And the spirit and the bride, and we're the bride, what do we say, bride? Come. 
Boy, are you the bride tonight? What do we say, bride? Come, all right. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part of the book of life of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things, surely I come quickly. Amen. And what do we say, church? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You know, three times in the close of this chapter, he says, I, Jesus, come quickly. But he's delayed his return for nearly 2,000 years, hasn't he? Are we discouraged tonight because he hadn't come back yet? I'm thankful for his mercy. How about that tonight? The longer he delays, the more merciful he shows himself to be. He's gathering of every nation, tribe, and language, and people, tongue, his church, his people. And uh, he tells Peter, God wants to give this sinful world opportunity to repent and be saved, to call in the name of the Lord. In the meantime, the Spirit of God, through his church, the bride, calls for Jesus to come. And every time we gather together, we say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We ask uh, the Lord to come. We wait. Uh, We've got a few um, brides-to-be in the church. And uh, I dare say that they're anxiously awaiting the day where they'll get married. They're looking forward to it. I wonder, just like that, are we looking forward to Christ coming? Any of you brides-to-be tonight, are you making preparations for that special day? I wonder tonight, church, we're his bride. Are we making special preparations for that day? When he receives his bride on that great wedding day, You remember that? Some of you guys, you say, I'm glad I'm not the bride on that day. I just showed up, right? I just got there, did what I was supposed to do. Uh, I'm glad that he is going to show up. And as a bride waiting for the groom, we're just anticipating him coming. We can't wait for it to happen. And uh, boy, here's the question tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you a citizen of heaven? Boy, the characteristics of heaven will mean very little to those that never get to enter in that place. But I'm glad. Hey, listen, heaven's my home tonight. Is it yours? If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.